Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Okay, so welcome everybody. This is hopefully the first of many uh, in a series of classes for for ladies and um Again, a, a meaningful, different uh, ideas in our religion connected to Torah study. And uh, we're going to be speaking tonight and over the next couple of weeks uh, over this idea of personal growth in Judaism and what exactly that means. And if I was to ask, here are the people sitting on the table, people listening at home, what concepts is most connected to Judaism? What, what is Judaism most associated with? And a lot of people might answer different things. Some people might say Shabbat observance. Some people might say Kashrut observance. Some people might say the land of Israel, Eretz Israel, uh, Brit Milah, circumcision, different mitzvot. Uh, Anti-Semitism is in the news now. Ahavat Israel, the love for the Jewish people. There's so many. Uh, there's one concept that is common to many uh, peoples and cultures, which does occupy a very central place in our religion, and that is personal growth. And the idea that we as Jews have a unique approach to this this idea, and it is grounded in our in our Torah that we have to work on ourselves and be better for ourselves. And uh, over the next few weeks, that's what I hope to to speak about today, more in a general terms as to why we need such a thing. And then um, maybe next week and the week after, we'll look at a more practical side approach. And then after that, we will focus on maybe different midot and different character traits that we can work on for ourselves. Um, so that's, in essence, some, some of the things that we're going to speak about. Um, as, as many of us go through life, and as, as much as we are reluctant to admit, we all have shortcomings. None of us are perfect. And there's no such thing as a human being who is absolutely perfect. The, the Chachamim tell us that there is no person who doesn't sin. Even Moshe Rabbeinu is, uh, was a person who was great as he was. He, he made mistakes. Some people are inconsiderate. Some people are miserly. Some people anger each other uh, easily. And the list goes on. And uh, there are many people that invest time and, uh, and energy to refine their character traits. But even those people that may not do so as much, um, they would agree that it's something that's very valuable to do. Uh, people that possess good, good attributes as uh, kindness, consideration, generosity, so on and so forth, um, you know, they could always make themselves better. They can always you know, work on it better. And Judaism really, really stresses this concept of self-improvement, constant practice, the, the, the most... Uh, what can we say? The, each of us are are encouraged to strive to better ourselves, to seek perfection. The most famous of this commitment happens in, in the ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We call Aseret Yemei Teshuvah. Uh, when Jews worldwide, they do a Cheshbon Hanefesh, a self-accounting of themselves, and they start thinking, okay, where do I need to improve? What do I need to do better? You know, okay, this year I found that I got upset way too often uh, to my spouse, to my kids, um, to my students, whatever it is. Uh, this year, for some reason, I didn't give enough charity. 
and they start thinking and they start marking down and this is the way that the, even the rabbis used to do. They used to sit down every night and like, okay, what, what do I need to improve on? And there's another time during the year where this happens, uh, between Pesach and Shavuot, during the weeks of Perkei Avot, the weeks of the ethics of the fathers, where in preparation for Matan Torah, we're asked to uh, speak and work on our, on our Midot, where we work on refining our characters uh, in preparation for the rededication of the Torah study and practice. But in, in reality, this needs to happen every day. Personal growth is not something that, is, that it should be only devoted twice a year before Rosh Hashanah and after Pesach. It needs to be done every day, hour by hour, whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're at home, you're in the office, even when you're on vacation. Um, you know, these are things that we have to think about. It reminds me of a, of a story that is brought down in a nice uh, book that I have at home of a, um, of a young boy that was in summer camp, summer, Jewish summer camp. And one of the highlights of every summer camp experience is color war. I think uh, for those of us that have been in, in summer camp, you know, color war is color war. And um, all the campers, all the staff members, they're playing there. You know, everyone wants to win. And that's really one of the things that they remember at the end of the camp experience, if they, if they won or they lost color war. So there was a story once of a, of a boy, and he was, uh, it was an all-star baseball game uh, between uh, the red team and the blue team or whatever it was. And the score was tied. And it was the bottom of the ninth, last inning, uh, two outs, winning run, um, winning run uh, at the plate. And, um, and uh, winning, winning, winning run at second base. And the boy at the, at the plate, you know, got the pitch, swung, hit the ball in the outfield. And the runner on second base was rounding third, heading home. And he knows if he scores, game's over. And they, they win the game, the all-star game. This is a lot of points for the color war team that could probably end up um, uh, winning the whole color war. And the boy comes in, rounds third, slides at home. He's tagged by the catcher. And the umpire calls him safe. And he scores. And everyone's jumping up and down. And they're so excited. Yes, we won the game. We won the all-star game. This is amazing, amazing, amazing. And everyone's so excited, jumping, smiling, laughing, except for the boy that scored. He's just very, and he's, he breaks away from all the huddle and the jumping and all that. And he makes his way to the umpire. And he tells him, I was out. The catcher, he tagged me before I touched the plate. All the kids are like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? He goes, I was out. I know he touched me before I touched the plate. I wasn't safe. So the umpire looks at him, he wasn't sure, and, he, and everyone's all silent, and he says, well, listen, I'm a human being, and even I can make a mistake, and if you're positive that he tagged you before you touched home plate, then you're out, and the game remained a tie. And on the, on the last night of the camp, after everything was done, the, the head counselor gets up in front of all the, the kids and says, listen, there are a lot of memories here from this year at camp. But uh, if there's one memory above all that I'm going to take home with me was this boy, after being called safe, admitted the truth. And he said that he was out. And in this story, there are three heroes. Hero number one is the boy. The boy could have quietly accepted the winning slide, which I think 99% of the kids would do. Okay. He would have accepted the fact that he was safe rationalizing, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe I did sneak under the tag, and maybe I was safe, you know, as much as I think I was out, and no one would have doubted him. Hero number one. Hebrew, hero number two, the umpire. 
the umpire could have refused to acknowledge that he made an incorrect call because umpires have pride, right? I don't want to make umpires. Oh, I won't make a mistake. My call stands. And uh, if I said he's safe, he's safe. And lastly, the third hero is the head counselor, the head counselor that made it a point to teach all the students in the attendance how the game ending teaches us a very, very important life uh, lesson. So now imagine when it's, when, when it's beyond camp. Imagine when it's our friends and our teachers and our colleagues. Imagine when it's Hashem. Imagine when it's God, God Himself. Uh, to some of us, achieving our potential may, may appear to be something that is extremely difficult. It's like climbing a mountain. I don't know if I can reach it. I don't know. I think that's just too high for me. And not only is this goal attainable, but the, it's the challenge that is involved which enables us to accomplish our, our mission. The Rambam says in Hilchot Teshuvah, a very famous line, and he says, don't think that Hashem made you into who you are, and that's it. You can't change. I'm angry. I just get angry. I have anger management. That's how God created me. Too bad. Like, I, I, you know, that, that, that's how God made me. I can't change. It's impossible. Don't think that, says the Rambam. He says, everyone has the ability to be a Moshe Rabbeinu. That's his words. Every person has the ability to be a Moshe Rabbeinu or a Rachel Imenu or a Sarah or any one of the great matriarchs that we have. Um, and you also, at the same time, you also have the ability, God forbid, to reach the lowest levels like a Yerovam ben Nevat, who set up idols and prevented people from going to Jerusalem, who the Talmud says doesn't get a share in Olam Abba. So you can go. You're, you're born here. You can get up here. You can go down here. You have the free will. You have the free choice to choose where you want to go, which direction. So let's talk a little bit about this concept of, of personal growth and um, does it have an actual source in the Torah, a midot, the concept of character refinement. Is there such a source in the Torah? The answer is no. You look in the Torah and there is no actual source. Nowhere in the Torah does it say, you know, you got to work on your anger. You got to work on this. Or, you know, if you're stingy, then you got to give more. We have a lot of books on it, but there's no source of it in the Torah. But says Rav Chaim Vital, uh, he writes that the reason why it's not mentioned in the Torah is because character refinement is actually a, a necessary prerequisite for the Torah. Because without refined traits, without midotavot, a person cannot fulfill any of the Torah. As the line famously says, im en derech eretz en Torah. If you don't have derech eretz, I don't want to translate derech eretz, I think it's self-understood, but if you're not a mensch, then, then what's the purpose of those Torah that uh, that you that you study, right? It says Rav Chaim Vital and Hamidot Miklal Hatariag Mitzvot. They're not part of the 613 Mitzvot. It's not one. Of, it's not a mitzvah to be uh, to be uh, joyful. It's a good thing to be joyful. There's this concept of being Simchas Mitzvah, being happy when you perform a mitzvah. But you don't have a mitzvah to uh, to be uh, I don't know not angry. Being angry is a horrible trait to have. And again, it's like, they're, they're, it's like, Obed it's like you idol worship. But it's not what that And he says, more than that, he says, This is the prerequisites of the 613 mitzvot. Wow. He says, it is more important that a person take care of his bad traits, meaning to make sure he doesn't transgress any bad trait, 
in actually fulfilling the mitzvot or lo any of the mitzvot. Because when you are a person who is a good Jew and you do everything that's, that's, that's asked for you in terms of your character traits, then everything else comes easily. Easily you're able to fulfill the mitzvot. The grass says that the, 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 your traits, your character refinement, your personal growth, that's the clothing of the mitzvot. That's, it's the vessels in which the holiness of the mitzvot are revealed here in this world. And, and it, so again, this idea, this concept of being a prerequisite. In fact, the Vilna Gaon, uh, he, he himself says that uh, man, purpose of man's life is to constantly strive to break his bad traits. And if he doesn't do so, then he has no purpose in living. That's how, that's mamash how, uh, how important it is. This past, um, this past Shabbat, I said over a story in the Beth Knesset of uh, a story set over Rabbi Yol Gold. You might recognize that name. He does those video stories of uh, really incredible stories of a, um, an ex-Israeli uh, soldier, a yeah, retired sol- soldier, who decided to tour the world. And um, he wanted to, he had this dream to go to Alaska and, uh, and fish in Alaska. He just, just be, go there fishing, see the whole scenery, the mountains, and uh, so he went on a trip, him and a few buddies, and they went to Alaska, they hired a tour guide. And uh, there they take a plane, there's no roads really there. They, if you want to go fish, you got to take a plane and land in the field and then go fish by the, the lakes or whatever they were fishing for. So while he was on the plane, the tour guide says, listen, over here it's pretty desolate, there's n- nothing happening much. Uh, not many dangers, but you know, the, the most dangerous uh, you know, scenario that, might, uh, that you might encounter is, uh, is grizzly bears. We do have some grizzly bears, and uh, they gotta be, you know, they don't they don't come often. But so the the ex marine asks him, "What do I do if I see a grizzly bear? If I'm fishing, what what do I do?" And he says, "You want to know what to do?" Because yeah, he said, "You look in the grizzly bear and you say, hey bear, I am fishing here. This is my spot. Please leave.'" The guy thought it was a joke. Like I go, go, go yeah, he said, go yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Back of his head. Drops him off, plane drops off, plane leaves, he's fishing for a few hours. Here's some rustling behind him. Lo and behold, the grizzly bear comes out of the little shrubs, looking him directly in the face. True story. And he goes, now, inside, he's melting. He's, he's dying to escape. He's run away. But you remember what the, per- what the person said. So he looks at the grizzly bear and he says, hey, bear, I'm fishing here. This is my spot. Please leave. And the bear didn't move. And again, louder. Hey, bear, this is my spot. I'm fishing here. Please leave. And after the third time, the bear turned away and walked off. And you can imagine the sense, the sigh of relief that he had. He gets picked up an hour later by the plane, and he tells the tour guide, can't believe what happened. This worked. And the tour guide said, of course it worked. Because explain to me how, why didn't the bear attack me? Because let me explain to you. The bear looks at you, looks at the human being, and feels that the human being is the, is the king of the world. You are the master. And therefore, when you tell the bear, hey bear, this is my spot, please leave, it's going to listen. But if you start screaming and running like a crazy person, like an animal, it's going to think you're an animal. And therefore, if you're an animal, well, guess what? They'll start running after you. 
and that we are really are the, the, the kings of of this world. Hashem put us in this world to be Bnei Adam, and uh, and that comes in with a certain sense of authority, but at the same time with proper proper midot, and and, and working on a midot. There was once a man that approached Rav uh, Rav Shach Zecher Tzadik famous Rosh Hashiva Torah sage, uh, with a very very heart wrenching question, and he um, he had been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and he went to Rav Shach and said, "Listen, Rabbi, the doctor said I only have six months to live. What do I do with the rest of my six months? What should I do?" So the man expected the rabbi to tell him, listen, you go to the Bet Midrash, sit in the Kolel, and just study for six months, uh, you know. And he told him, Rav Shach says, I want you to work on your character traits. I want you to overcome all your negative tendencies. And Rav Shach said, quoted that, that line from the Vilna Gaon, that the Vilna Gaon says that the entire purpose of our existence is, is to work on our character refinement. So if you only have a few months to live, it makes sense that you devote those months to achieve your purpose in life. And another story that illustrates this took place with Rabbi Yehuda Adis um, in 1986. It's a famous story. Uh, they, were, they were convening, a group of rabbis were convening in the great Panovich Yeshiva in uh, Bnei Brak. And at the center stage was uh, Rabbi Cheska Levinstein, Zecher Tzadik Racha, And he got up and gave this whole speech about, in front of hundreds of students, about the importance of haughtiness, the importance of arrogance, or not to be arrogant, and not to be haughty, and to be humble, and how this attribute can really influence a person to the negative and to the bad, and takes over his entire be- being. So Rabbi Yehuda Adis, who was in attendance at the time, he says over that his friend looked at him, and he says, can't believe this, this is what we came for. We traveled all the way from Jerusalem, or from Svat, or from Tiberia, wherever it is, to come to Bnei Brak, to hear a lecture on uh, on arrogance, on uh, on midot. What do I need this? Why do I have to leave my job and our studies to hear about, about arrogance and haughtiness? I'd rather stay in the Bet Midrash. So the rabbi looked at him and he says, your question is the reason why you have to hear about, about haughtiness. A person can't think that he is... He is uh, uh, entering life and, and has uh, and many challenges. What, what, what are you saying? The contrary. The, the principal challenges of a person's life is there to rectify and fix everything, what our flaws are. This guy had a flaw. He, his flaw was he didn't think he needed to learn about haughtiness and, and arrogance. And that is our main task. So if the purpose of our life is to refine our, um, our traits, then it only makes sense that there are mitzvah observance, which is the means with which we refine ourselves and build our relationships. Uh, that should be an integral component in developing our personal traits. And therefore, the Rambam says it's a fundamental principle that the purpose of mitzvot is to achieve uh, character uh, perfection. And he says that in Hilchot Temura, the Kol Elu Devarim, all the mitzvot, everything, Kedei Lachof Et Yitzro Ultaken Deotav, to overcome our negative inclinations and correct our traits. That's it. Can you imagine? I'm shaking a lulav on Sukkot. I'm sitting in my sukkah, and the whole purpose of me sitting in the sukkah. It's for me not to get angry. It's for me not to get upset when a bee comes in, right? <laughs> and, and storm out, right? Which the Goyim will do in the time of Mashiach, right? That, that story that is very well known, that in the time of Mashiach, the, the non-Jews are going to complain, complain to God and say, hey, huh, wait, you didn't give us a Torah and mitzvah, so God's going to give them the mitzvah of sukkah. And, uh, and they're going to build their sukkah. 
and Hashem is going to bring them a big heat, a heat of Tammuz, but there's a good Israeli or Miami heat where you can't even, you're like <laughs> scorching and you're choking with the humidity. And they're going to walk out and they're going to kick the sukkah on their way out. And the Gemara says, well, that's not fair. Uh, if it's hot and they're camping the sukkah, then why are you blaming the non-Jews for leaving the sukkah? The Gemara says, you're right. They were allowed to leave the sukkah, but you're not allowed to kick the sukkah on their way out. And, and it was, and it was, that was the problem. That's why they're not so okay. So yes, I build a sukkah, I sit in the sukkah, and I'm learning character traits. I'm remaining calm, I'm enjoying, I'm being mesameach with my family, I'm being mesameach besimcha with everyone that's with me. So that, yes, the purpose of the mitzvot is the character refinement that's brought about from that performance. Um, Rav, uh, the Ramchal in uh, Mesilat Yesharim, which I give a class on um, summer, in the summer, on Shabbat afternoons, been giving it for, for two, three years, talks about this idea, about achieving perfection, purity, clarification. And he says, everybody knows what they have to do in life. Everybody knows that they need to be better in, in all aspects of their life, just like we aim to be better in our work and in our, uh, in, in, with our family and with our kids. So therefore, what's going to happen on the day of reproof? What's going to happen Yom after 120 years when Hashem's going to say, okay, you knew you had an anger problem. And I'm just using anger as just one of many, but I'm just saying you knew you had an anger problem. So why didn't you fix it? Why didn't you work on it? What are you going to say? I didn't know. Of course you knew. Look at all the, you, you were told, your, your closest friends told you you have an anger problem. Deep down inside, you know yourself you have an anger problem. There's a lot of books, a lot of self-help. Why don't you attend a class? Why don't you hear a shiur about anger, the importance of not getting angry? So, so the potential to grow in our purity of the nefesh is, is limitless, is, is limitless. No matter high, how high a person reaches in, in his level of, uh, of righteousness, of spirituality, there's still room to grow. There was once a tzaddik who, who discovered that there was a certain family who needed tzedakah. So um, the tzaddik went home and he got money and he goes to the family and he gives them tzedakah. And, um, and then he comes back, bemidrash, and an hour later he goes back home, he takes more money, and he goes back and gives the money, the money to the family again a second time. So the, I guess the students of the tzaddik say, what happened? You know, why, why'd you go, why'd you go, you gave him $100 the first time, you gave back him $100, saying that, why not just give him $200 right, right at the beginning? So he said the following. He said, when I first saw the degree of suffering that this family was going through, that, that their deprivation actually caused me personal anguish. And when I initially gave the tzedakah to them, the first $100, that act was tainted by my own self-interest. Because I wanted to relieve my distress for them. And therefore, once I was able to alleviate my own distress, I went back to give tzedakah again a second time without any personal gain just for the mitzvah of tzedakah. So now how many people today would think like that? But, but yes, there are tzedakim that do that. That, they were, that they, this, this rabbi understood that he, there was a deficiency in the way that he performed that mitzvah of tzedakah. And now I'm going to do it the proper way. So, in, so you could be doing the mitzvah and it's not 100%. So that means there's room to improve in that mitzvah. So you can never say, yeah, I perfected this mitzvah. So that is 
why we learn about this. What, what makes us as Jews different? Okay. What makes us Jews different in terms of our approach to uh, personal growth in comparison to that of non-Jews? What 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 it, the Jewish approach to personal growth and development is very very comprehensive, and uh, it's guided by many things. We spoke about already mitzvah observance, which we're going to talk a little bit more now. There's there's teshuvah, there's prayer, there's Torah study, there's Hashem. Um, our midot and our character refinement is rooted in the chokhmah of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It's rooted in the Torah of Hashem. Uh, it's found in Perkei Avot, which deals with ethics and uh, and character refinement. How does Perkei Avot begin? Anyone here familiar with Perkei Avot text? Perkei Avot, the chapter of the fathers, which really is is six chapters by our Tanaim, the sages of the Mishnah, really giving us life advice about character refinement. That's what it is. But that's not how it begins. It begins with a historical chain. Moshe kibel Torah misinai. Moshe received the Torah from Sinai. Um le Yoshua. He gave it to Yoshua. Yoshua to Zkanim, to the elders, elders to the prophets, prophets to the men of the great assembly. Da, 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 da. And then finally, the first piece of advice. Why give me that whole introduction? I don't need that whole introduction. Just tell me. These were the They said the following three things. Why do I need the whole introduction of Moshe kibel Torah misinai? So says Rabbi Bartenura, not the wine, but Rabbi Bartenura. Um, Bartonu was a city in Italy, okay, and he came from Italy. And this wine is from it's that's why it's made, it's an Italian wine. That's why it's called Bartonura. We live in a time now that most people attribute uh, Bartonura with the wine than the, the, the rabbit, but that's okay. Uh, so what do he say? He says that this this whole masechet of, of avot perke avot is not based on any one of the mitzvot. You're not going to see any discussion of Shabbat, Megillah. Uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah or any of the many many mitzvot that we have it's all about Musar it's all about discipline uh, educational and ethical concepts and he he tells you that that all of these ethics all of these morals that we're going to read in this book were not formulated by these Chachamim. They were taught to Moshe on Har Sinai by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the mitzvot that were given to by Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu, that were eventually given to the Jewish people, that govern our relationship with Hashem, with our fellow man, and with ourselves. One of the main reasons of mitzvot is to achieve character perfection, and that already started from Moshe Kibel Torah Sinai. Now many of the mitzvot that we do throughout our everyday life already accomplishes this goal. Right now, right now, there is Hachnasat Orchim. Hachnasat Orchim is bringing in guests at your home. Good job, right? And, and uh, there's inviting guests. There's giving tzedakah. There's loans. There's visiting the sick. There's comforting mourners. There's uh, a, a arranging funerals, attending funerals. These are all mitzvot. They're speaking the truth. Not speaking Lashon Hara. Honoring parents. These are all mitzvot that actually refine our characters. So yes, there are part, there are mitzvot that actually do this, um, but not all of them. Not all of them are so direct. Bezrat Hashem. In the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll 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 look at more 
concrete examples of where we see this in other mitzvot that are not so obvious. Um, so we have the mitzvot that refine our character. Um, mitzvah observance requires self-control. Maybe this would be a good topic for another time also, self-control. Um, that's one other area that the Jewish approach differs than um, other approaches. Um, the personal growth is a consequence of having mitzvot, and self-control is at the heart of personal growth. What do I mean by that? There's a concept brought down in the Gemara, Masechet Kiddushim. I also ask you, what you probably were asked this in school, but I'll ask, I'll ask anyways. What is more preferred when you perform an action when asked to or spontaneously? Spontaneously. Right? So most people will say spontaneously, right? If I see a poor guy on the street and I say, oh, man, I go reach in my wallet and I take out $20 and I give the person 20 bucks. It's a great act, right? Versus if someone comes to me and says, I'm collecting for someone, can you give me 20 bucks? And then you give them 20 bucks. So your heart tells you that the spontaneous act is greater than the act that when you're asked to do something. It says the Gemara the exact opposite. Gemara tells us in Masechet Kiddushin, Amar Bichanina, Gadol metzuve ve'oseh, mimi she'eno metzuve ve'oseh. Greater is the one who acts because he is commanded than one who acts without being, the, without being commanded. Is it because it's two mitzvot? Like someone's asking you and doing a mitzvah? And so, then... okay, so there's a, lot, there's a lot of commentary on this Gemara and why this is the case. So Rabbi Akiva Tatz, you may have heard, has a phenomenal explanation about this. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't read his words exact. He's a brilliant, brilliant scholar. So I want to quote exactly what he writes in his book. He writes his book, uh, World Mask, which is an amazing, amazing book. This is what he says. He says, greater is he who is commanded and does. We have a principle that one who does because he is commanded is greater than one who acts spontaneously. This is counterintuitive. Surely being spontaneous is greater. If I, surely if an action is generated within myself, it is greater than an action performed because I am obliged from without. One of the classic answers to this question is that when one is commanded to act, one is immediately confronted by resistance. That resistance is his own yetzer hara, his evil inclination, or his lower self, which steps in and says, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> so the ego, he says, the I, that deep root of the personality and the spiritual core, wishes to assert itself, refuses to be subdued, Therefore, in order to fulfill a command, one must overcome this inner resistance, and in doing so lies the secret of inner growth. Self-control is at the heart of all personal growth and is developed by the discipline required to obey. However, when, un when one acts spontaneously, there's no resistance to overcome, and the action is relatively easy. It is not intrinsically an exercise in self-control and therefore has relatively little growth potential. So answer one number one, reason number one, why being spontaneous isn't as good is because you don't have an ego when you're when you're acting spontaneously, versus when someone tells you what to do something, uh, your 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 child in you says, "No, I'm not doing it. You can't tell me what to do. You're not my boss, right?" So so that's his first reason. I have an ego that's telling me no, and I have to overcome that. So it's on a higher level. Second reason, a deeper answer. 
But there's more here than meets the eye, he says. When one acts spontaneously, motivated only by that which arises within one's own consciousness, one is expressing oneself. It means I'm doing what I want to do. That may be a great thing, but it can never be greater than the individual who is performing the act, at best. The act will be a full and true expression of the one who performs it. So I'm taking out my $20 and I'm giving it to the poor person on the street. I'm fulfilling, you know, what I want to fulfill. And that's, that's the most I'll ever be. But when one fulfills a divine command, one is expressing the divine. Again, I'll repeat that again. When one fulfills a divine command, one is expressing the divine. The person who acts in fulfilling a commandment is no less a partner with the divine. That person has locked into the infinite dimension and reveals in the world what the divine source of that action intends to reveal. And that is what the root of the word mitzvah, word mitzvah is togetherness, partners. Gadol ha-metzuveh, far greater is the one who acts because he is commanded, because I'm overcoming my individual self and I'm, I'm making myself a partner and I'm coming close with Hashem. That's why it's greater to do it when, you, when you're asked to do it as a mitzvah. I wear tzitzit because Hashem commanded me to wear tzitzit and I have a direct effect on some Jew fighting for Eretz Israel in the army right now. Yes, my, my tzitzit, I'm doing that. I have that ability. And uh, I, I, I dress and I act modestly and yes, I'm protecting somebody out there. I don't know how that works, but all I know is that my mitzvah observance is creating a bridge and a connection with me and God. And I don't know what else that's going to lead to, but I know it's something special. It's more than what I've done just on my own. So that's the third reason why our approach is different. Fourth, we have this concept of teshuvah. We have the, this concept of introspection and character change. We are all created differently. We are all created with unique attributes and talents. Another thing I spoke about this past Shabbat is that our rabbis tell us that inside of us, our hearts are is like a zoo. We have we have traits of all animals and all angels inside of us, and our job is to be like a zookeeper, to just protect, you know, like, like make sure we don't go overboard with our negative traits, and we keep everything in check. And sometimes, because we have that free will, and we you know we try to do things, we we do go overboard. And we make mistakes and we use our free will to undermine our ability to reach our potential. But that's why Hashem gave us a gift of Teshuvah, which you probably heard a lot about in the last few weeks before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That this ability to return, Nashiv, to return, enabling us to correct our mistakes, to regain our potential, our lost potential, and repair the relationship between our fellow man and HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Shemaim. I remember not long ago, actually this was quite recent, um, it's a personal story, uh, that uh, people were talking in shul. I usually have high, I, 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 I shouldn't have high tolerance, but I do, because I don't like getting upset. <laughs> but um, not, not long ago, I got upset. Like, it was Friday night, and everyone was talking, 
was at the end of, of tefillah and, and and like I, I just lost it I, I went I went I'm like this is unacceptable this cannot continue and I, my voice was raised and everyone was looking at me like where did this come from I got a few like good job rabbi yeah you have to do it. and and I, I can tell you honestly and uh, although although I was right to do so because you can't talk in shul and they need to hear it from somebody and it has to be the rabbi. But I can tell you that when I got home that Friday night, it bothered me. Like, really. Inside, I was hurting. I couldn't believe like I got upset. Like you can feel, I felt the anger come up and that's not something that I want to do. I want to be able to, to preach in a way or teach them in a way where I don't have to get upset. So it was like a, it was like a win-lose. And, um, and I said to myself, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to do that again. If I'm going to tell them to be quiet, I'll do it in different ways. I'll get up in, 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 you know, ca- casually or say, Rabotai, the importance, you know, tell them the importance of being quiet or whatever. But I cannot do, I cannot let my emotions get the better of me. And I realized that, and hopefully I won't do it again, and that's what Teshuvah is all about. And maybe people listening, again, are going to be listening to this and say, no, Rabbi, you're right, you're right, you scream, you let them know, you let it all out. But I just didn't feel right. Um, again, Teshuvah is a whole other subject that we can talk about later. Another, another difference in our approach versus everybody else's is that we have this concept of Hashkacha Pratit. Hashkacha Pratit is divine providence. The idea that life isn't random. We have a very, very exalted purpose in this world. And we are given divinely orchestrated opportunities and challenges to help us reach that goal and our potential. In uh, one of the most famous uh, books of Musar in the last uh, 50 years, 100 years, it was Alei Shur. Rabbi Shlomo Wolbe, and he talks about the profound importance of each individual. Look what he says. Every person needs to know that they are important. Not a, a fake importance. <clears throat> I'm special. No, that's not what he's talking about. A profound importance. He quotes a Talmud. Each person needs to say, The world was created for me. Rashi says on that Gemara, I am am as important as an entire populated world. And why should I make the world deficient with one sin? I'm I'm going to blemish the world with one wrong action. Look what he then says. This is a one-time life experience of a particular person. There'll never be anybody else like you. Nobody. You are the only version of you. There will be someone as a reincarnation who will take parts of your soul, but then we're not going to get into that. <laughs> but you, as it is, is only you. And no one else. And therefore, with my special character strengths, with the abilities that I have, 
Um, only I can achieve what was set out for me because only I am the children of my parents. I was Only I was born at that time, in this place, at that hour, in a certain environment. Nobody else was. So therefore, I got to act on it. And my role in life cannot be exchanged with anything else in the world. And the easier I get that and understand that, the more successful I'll be. Another reason why our approach is different. Tefillah. We have prayer. Prayer and personal growth. Two of those things play very much hand in hand. Speaking of Perkei Avod, which we quoted a few times today, the world stands on three things. Torah, Avodah, Gemilut Chasadim. Gemilut Chasadim is part of the kindness and character traits and doing good deeds. But what's Avodah? Avodah is prayer. Avodah is korbanot, sacrifices, which we don't have today. We don't have a Bet HaMikdash. But in our quest to become perfect, and yes, I say that word, our quest to become perfect, we're never perfect, but we still have, we have a quest to become perfect. Part of that requires prayer. And, uh, and if, you have an, if you have a problem, if you are a stingy person, and you don't give money or you don't like giving money, and it's not in your nature to give money, and you know it's a problem, and you don't know where else to turn, and how do I give more money when I don't like doing it? You open up a Sidor, you open up a book of Tehillim, you say, Hashem, I'm going to say 10 chapters of Tehillim now, and I need you to help me overcome this trait. And we have that ability. So the, the importance of, tra- of prayer is directly connected to our, our Avodah, bu- on building a relationship with Hashem on a personal uh, level as well. <clears throat> and a couple more points. We have the concept of Torah study, which is exactly what we're doing right now. We come around the table with food, of course. And we, and we study Torah. Because Torah is the blueprint of creation. Hashem looked in the Torah and created the world. The whole purpose of Torah of the, of the world being created is for us to study Torah. The Torah that we study infuses the world with holiness. It helps us navigate our decisions, our moral decisions, our ethical decisions. Everything that we do. You look back in your entire life, everything you did, somewhere along the line there was a Torah decision made over there. Where there was the school that you went to, or the rabbi your parents chose, or your grandparents chose, or why they moved to that city, not city. There was a decision that was made that was based on Torah. That's what, again, the Ramchal writes in, in Derech Hashem. You know, the, the study of Torah consists of two parts. There's the reading of it, and there's the understanding of it, and the deeper comprehension of it. And a person needs to work, and when he studies the Torah, he needs to see all the messages that are found in between. And just like all, just like when I'm reading the stories of Adam and Noah, when I when I read the story of Noah in this week's parasha, Noah ish tadik tamim haya bedorotav. That's the introduction of Noah. And the Rashi's first question is, "Ele toldot Noah." This just came to mind right now. But these are the offspring of Noah, and it doesn't mention Noah's offspring. It doesn't say it doesn't say who his kids are until the following verse, but it then introduces him as each tzaddik tamim hayavidorotav. So, if you're going to tell me these are the offspring of Noah, then tell me who his children are. Why are you interrupting it by telling me what a nice guy he is? And Rashi answers because that's what the person's offspring is. Your your children and your grandchildren is who you become. Noah's offspring was the fact that he was a tzaddik. And he was a Tamim, the Dorotav in his generation. 
He was a righteous and perfect individual for a generation. He was a person that was unblemished. And that's what the Torah wants us to know. So when I'm studying these stories of Noah, Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Yosef, Moshe, Aharon, as we're just starting now, these are things that we have to know. It's not just reading stories. It's changing myself. There is no mitzvah greater than the mitzvah of Torah study. Now, I know ladies don't actually have an obligation to study Torah. You have an obligation to study the, the portions of Torah that are pertinent to you. You don't have a, a duty like, like men do, um, and I always say this is why it's much easier to get ladies' classes than men's classes. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Because, because the ladies don't have a Yetzirah for learning Torah. Men do. Because men are obligated. See, that's the difference. Because men are obligated to study, so they have a Yetzirah, they have an inclination. Remember that question? What's better when you're obligated or not obligated? They have an inclination. Wait, you're telling me I have to learn Torah? I don't want to learn Torah. That's your Yetzirah. You don't have. So that's why she sends a message, everybody's here. <laughs> All right? Packed house. But that's what it is. So that's the idea. There's no mitzvah greater than that of, of, of Talmud Torah. And, uh, and lastly, uh, and, and then you have the concept of a progressive journey. Because we understand we don't just jump into the fire. you got to take baby steps in getting there. Torah leads you to uh, uh, vi uh, vigilance, and vigilance leads you to alacrity. That's what Pinchas Ben Yair says, which leads to spiritual cleanliness, to abstinence, to purity, to righteousness. This is the levels until you finally get to, fe to fear of God. This is all it is. I work, I work to get there. I, 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 if I'm an angry person, you know, it takes a long time to get where I need to go. You can't just let down and say, okay, I'm done, I'm finished, because it's not working for me at one moment. And last but not least, is the God factor. We have, we have Hashem, the principle which allows our <clears throat> level to go higher than anyone else, is that we have Hashem as our role model, as our ultimate role model. And um, that recognition of Hashem being there with us every step of the way, whether through our prayer or our Torah study, really encompasses all the things we spoke about. Is <clears throat> something that is that is going to help us get to where we need to get there. That's something actually that I'm going to save for next week, Bezrat Hashem, before we next look week. at concrete. Oh, no, next time, sorry. Before we look at, con at, at at concrete examples. So this is just a little introduction of why we're doing what we're doing. And uh, never think that it is, uh, oh, that's just like, uh, you know, second class Torah. No, this is prerequisite to Torah. You can't begin studying Torah until you work on your personal growth and self-growth. And everyone sitting around this table, including myself, have different nekudot that they need to work on, different parts of their life that are different. And, and no, one can, no one can do it but you. Because everyone here is different. So, Bezrat Hashem, we'll have the strength to continue this uh, next time, and we'll look at this in a little bit more of a deeper light. So, thank you, everybody, for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. All right. Did you record it? All right.